0: Hello everyone, welcome to episode 49 of Third Heaven Authority podcast. I'm Mike Thompson. You know, when this episode airs, it's going to be what we call Good Friday. And this week, starting with last Sunday, Palm Sunday in the church, the day that Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, Good Friday, the time that he was crucified, Resurrection Sunday... Easter Sunday, when he was raised from the dead. It's so significant to us in the body of Christ. You know, he is our Passover. He is our resurrection. But I want to talk about all those events in the context of how Jesus took his authority. Now, it's very important for us. In fact, I ask the Holy Spirit right now to begin to download into each and every one of our hearts, the understanding that third heaven authority is not just rebuking a demon or decreeing or prophesying or making a declaration from a heavenly perspective. Indeed, it is that, but it's so much more than that. Because if we are seated with Jesus Christ in heavenly places— and that we have that heaven-down perspective of understanding from our position in him who we are and what we can accomplish, then it's imperative for us to understand that it plays out in every aspect of our lives, everything that we do. We must take our authority in it. So therefore, I want to go to this very last week in Jesus's time on earth, these last seven days that he experienced. You know, We recognize that there are basically seven redemptive events in the life of Jesus Christ. First of all, there was his birth, then his baptism, his temptation, his transfiguration, then of course his death, his resurrection, his ascension. All seven of those are very important uh, because they have specific meanings in his identification with us and how he brought about our salvation but i want to focus on two of them today and that is his death and his resurrection because that's what happened during this last week of jesus's life so we're going to get right into it and again understand jesus was taking authority you know a lot of times when we uh look at the fact that he did die he was crucified he was tried And all those events, I'll explain briefly, at least in a minute. We would say, well, then he was put upon. He wasn't in control. He wasn't in charge. That's not true. You know, Jesus himself said that he could have called 12 legions of angels. He could have got himself out of the mess. He specifically took his authority and specifically yielded to all of those things so that he could die be raised from the dead and that he could allow us to follow him through that sacrifice so let's get into it by the way i want to mention that i have a good friend uh, did have a good friend his name is messianic rabbi dr rich ford title and name he has now gone to be with the lord And Rich was a very unusual character. He was what I humorously call a brain with feet. Uh, He was a very intelligent man. He was a certified genius, Identic memory. And Rich and I were good friends for a number of years. He was a head theologian for a group of messianic assemblies uh, In the United States. And as we became good friends, he taught me so much about Messianic uh, Jewish culture and about so many revelations in the Bible. So I'm going to be sharing a few of those with you as we trek through this. Uh, I studied the feasts with Rabbi Rich. Uh, He's the one who taught me how to do a Messianic Passover Seder. I'll talk about... Few things, kind of some gems I'll pull out of that for you today. He's the one who gave me my teacher's shawl. Uh, and I just want to talk about some of the neat perspectives that God has for us that I learned from Rabbi Rich. You know, on that one Sunday morning prior to his crucifixion, Jesus got up early and headed to Jerusalem because on that specific day something very significant was going to happen as they approached Jerusalem they were coming from Bethany which is about 5 miles outside of Jerusalem and they went to a little village place called Bethage that was close to the mount of olives and he sent his disciples to go and to find the donkey the colt, and bring to him. Now, while all this was happening, the city had awakened, and there was a lot of festivity, a lot of hope, because this was the time for the dedication of the Lamb. This was the time that on this day, the first day of the week, the uh, Sabbath had ended, that the high priest would now go out into the fields. What was he in search of? the right, the specific lamb that had no blemish, the one that could be sacrificed for that year for the sins of the people. Now, remember in the Old Testament economy, the Levitical system, that the lamb had to be sacrificed every year because there was a remembrance of sin. Uh, The spiritual death nature had not been removed from mankind that occurred through Jesus' sacrifice and through jesus now he eternally once and for all has become our paschal lamb our resurrection And so the high priest goes out into the field he probably has already scouted things out or had people do so for him and and so he goes and he inspects and he finds a lamb that he thinks is worthy then he pays the owner of the lamb, 30 pieces of silver. He grabs the lamb, he picks it up, and places it on the back of his neck around his shoulders to carry back into Jerusalem. On his way back, his feet were not allowed to touch stone. So therefore, the people would lay out garments, robes, cloaks, palm branches, anything they could find, to make a path for him on the road on his way back in. Then when he would come into Jerusalem, he would get close to the gates. They were ready then to dedicate, to receive that lamb. And they would begin to cry out. And they would say, Hosanna! Hosanna! Hosanna to the lamb that takes away our sin. Now that was a declaration proclamation. The people shouted, they sang, as they received the Paschal Lamb. Now something happened on this Sunday. Jesus now has the donkey, and immediately his disciples realize they're caught up in things. And this being caught up is so much more than just any kind of psychological uh, upheaval or, you know, where they become emotional, In the events, there really was a presence of the Holy Spirit that was in the atmosphere on that day. Not only on Jesus, but it moved through the disciples. It moved into Jerusalem itself. And the disciples began to put their robes on the donkey. Jesus got on it. He mounted it, and then he's ready to ride. And they lay the robes in front of it, And so that the donkey's feet do not touch stone. And they begin to ride into Jerusalem. The people see him coming. last time that they heard anything about Jesus, just prior to this, he had raised Lazarus from the dead. And so they wonder what kind of miracle is going to be performed here. What is Jesus? This is Jesus, and he's coming. And in that state, where they became highly excited, yes— But while the Holy Spirit was breathing and moving on them, they then began to take all of the branches and the robes that they had reserved for the high priest and lay them on the rope. Jesus walked, riding the donkey, on them into Jerusalem. As he entered the gates, then they began to cry out, Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest. And without realizing it, an inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the people received Jesus as the Paschal Lamb, as their sacrifice for that year. Can you imagine what it was like? It must have been extremely powerful. But also, can you imagine what it was like for the high priest? Here he is getting ready to carry that lamb in, and he hears... All of this commotion coming from Jerusalem. Runners, perhaps, are coming to him and telling him, Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, this guy is coming and The people are going wild. They're out of control. He became very angry. It was sealed in his heart that he had to hurry and get there. But he was too late. All of the robes, all of the declaration, the dedication, everything, had been given to Jesus. And so you know at that particular point, he realized we've tried to kill him before, but this has to be the end of this man. We have got to get rid of him. So Jesus then comes back out at the end of that day. And by the way, the dedication lamb that was being carried on the priest, he was never dedicated for that year. There were no shouts of Hosanna. There were no songs sung. He was not dedicated. And so the priest carried him in and took care of him, hoping then that he could salvage this whole thing over the next week. Jesus does a lot of teaching in Jerusalem that week, performs a lot of miracles. In fact, uh, numerically in the Bible, there are there's a greater portion of text for this last week than any other time in Jesus' life. Come Thursday, Passover time, Jesus wants to celebrate and observe Passover with his disciples. Now, here's the way that Rabbi Rich also explained to me that Passover was received during the time of Jesus. He said that there were three breads. To begin with, there was the bread of Moses, which is called the bread of healing. And the bread of Moses was when God commissioned Moses to lead the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and to bring them to their own land. The final natural act that secured their deliverance was the destroyer angel bringing death to all of Egypt's firstborn sons. The Passover supper, accompanied by the spreading of the lamb's blood on the doorposts of each of the Israelites' dwelling, is what kept death from their homes. So this was a bread of deliverance from bondage, but it also was... A bread of divine healing and strength that would be necessary to make it to the promised land. Then, there is a bread of Isaiah. By Isaiah's time, approximately 700 years after Moses, the Israelites had all but forgotten the Passover observance. Something had to be done about it. Their hearts had turned from God. So Isaiah called them back to God. Repentance was necessary to change their hearts and to pull them back into obedience to the observance. So Isaiah added a second portion to that Passover observance. It was something that was to renew their hearts not only the remembrance, the bread of Moses was for remembrance of how the death angel passed over them and how they were strengthened and they were delivered from Egypt, from slavery. But the bread of Isaiah now was the force the people to realize that there's also a heart issue and they must repent and they must stay in covenant with God, praising, worshiping, following after him. It forced the Israelites to deal with their thoughts and their attitudes concerning God. So this second bread of Moses was added, but what happened is it was put underneath. So the, I'm sorry, the second bread of Isaiah. The bread of Moses was on top, it was covered with linen. The bread of Isaiah was placed underneath, covered with linen. Now, that's the way they observed it up until about 50 BC, Rabbi Ibram Joseph, a Galilean Jew, added another portion to the observant and it caught on and was kept. Rabbi Ibram Joseph and his followers felt that they would see Jesus during their time, that it was getting very close. And so in anticipation of that coming, they added a third piece of matzah bread and it was placed in between the bread of Moses and the bread of Isaiah. Now, because it was for the coming Messiah, it was never eaten by the Jews. It was symbolic of Jesus of the Messiah coming, who we know as Jesus. Only the Messiah could eat the bread and could drink the cup. There were cups that were in each portion of bread, of wine that could be consumed with it. So on that evening when Jesus and his disciples were observing the Passover, Jesus did something that had never been done before. It was remarkable. When he got to the end of the entire observance that Jesus reached in and he took the middle piece of matzah. He removed the bread, he blessed it, broke it, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. They must have been in total amazement. Then, having drunk all the cups of the observance before, Jesus took the cup after dinner, the cup of the Messiah. He gave thanks and he said, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And then he said, do this in remembrance of me. And that's where we get communion from, the Lord's table. We receive communion because Jesus instituted it from the Messiah's bread and the Messiah's cup. But it was an open declaration that he was the Christ, the anticipated messiah what boldness what authority who was this guy who could ride in to jerusalem instead of the high priest who was this guy who dared take the bread and the cup the messiah's portion and to declare that it was for him do you see the sense of authority jesus was walking in his position and who he is. And I really hope that each and every person out there understands that all these things are not only very specific to our salvation and important for us to understand what has happened to us spiritually, but they prompt us to stand in who we have been created in the Lord Jesus Christ and to walk in the same kind of authority. So after that Passover Seder, they go out into the Garden of Gethsemane, and they are praying. Jesus is arrested. Now, during his arrest in the following day, which is Friday, Good Friday, 2,000 years ago, from the day that you're hearing this message, is there were some very important things that the Bible declares that Jesus went through in his Passion in his trials. You know, in Leviticus, the Bible says that the life of the flesh is in the blood. And so, therefore, the life of the flesh, the blood itself, was highly important. It represented life. In Hebrews, the writer says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. That's why in Isaiah 53, when it talks about Jesus's sacrifice, it says that his visage was so marred more than any other man. And you go back and read the last couple of verses in chapter 52 even. And it says that by Jesus' stripes, we were healed. But notice it wasn't just stripes. It was blood flow. It was by Jesus's blood— which I've been in the last two episodes talking about, the blood covenant. So you've been hearing about the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So our salvation, redemption, only came because of the releasing, the shedding of his blood by his eternal spirit. So number one, the agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. He sweated blood. He almost died because of the pressure and the weight of our sins that was upon him. But there was a blood flow. Then he was arrested. He was bound and handled very roughly so that there were abrasions and there were bruises. There was a blood flow. There was a full trial before Caiaphas. He was tied up and blindfolded, spit in the face, beat with fists, slapped in the face, mocked, saying, prophesy who hits you, as they clobbered him. Each time there was a shedding of blood. Then he was tried before Pilate, again, handled very roughly, falsely by the Jewish leaders. Then he was tried before Herod, dressed in purple, mocked, abused, hit, again, All of these things to affect his blood, release his blood. Then he was returned to Pilate. He was flogged with a cat of nine tails, which was a cruel punishment. They put a purple robe on him again, a crown of thorns on his head, pushed it down until it pierced his brow and the blood again. He was mocked, slapped in the face, spit on, beat with a bamboo staff. His beard was literally plucked out. Pieces of his beard. Those were wounds that produced blood flow. Then Caiaphas sanctioned the Roman crucifixion to the Jewish leaders because the Jews were self governed, but they could not give death sentence to someone that was held for Rome. So it had to come from a king or somebody representative of the emperor. So now they had what they wanted. They nailed him to the cross. And as those nails went through his hands, actually his wrists, the blood flowed. His side was pierced with a spear and the blood and water flowed. His appearance was marred beyond recognition. And then he died. The reason I'm sharing all of that is to emphasize it was his blood, the blood of the sacrificial lamb, the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world, that saved us, that healed us. Typically, afternoon then, on that day, see, all this was happening early, is that the priest would sacrifice the Paschal lamb, usually right around about three, a little after three o'clock. And he would cut the lamb's throat. Now, remember, this is the lamb who had not been dedicated, but the high priest had held him. And so the high priest, again, similarly, to when he was out in the field and Jesus beat him to the punch, as it were. He now has prepared that lamb. He goes to get the lamb. But Jesus, when he dies at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, there is a darkening of the skies. There is an earthquake that hit. And Rabbi Rich said that in... Jewish history and archives it is recorded that the very same year that Jesus his blood being shed hung on the cross and died an earthquake hit the temple destroying the entrance gates and tearing into the veil that separated the Holy of Holies so that the high priests lamb was not only not dedicated but was never sacrificed. Everything was opened up and there was access into what was the Holy of Holies in the temple because we now have entered into the Holy of Holies of God and we are a kingdom of priests before him. The lamb could not be slain, the physical lamb, the high priest's lamb. Jesus, the Lamb of God, was crucified and died, and his blood purchased our salvation. Now we know the story that then his body was claimed, it was taken, and it was laid in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. He was a very rich man. Rich men followed Jesus. It had to be hurriedly prepared because at 6 o'clock that evening, the Sabbath was going to Come and so they had to have everything done and the burial process finished. They couldn't quite finish everything. So we find Jesus is buried. And then on Sunday, the first day of the week again, seven days after this all started, the Bible tells us this. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to draw, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to bring his disciples' word. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow! Again, I remind you, as I go through all of these events, can you see how Jesus took authority in every one of them? He literally used what would be perceived as negative events to display and bring about the purposes of God. And that's one of the messages that I share with you, is every situation that rises in your life, you have the ability to stand in authority, in control. You do not have control over everything that happens outside of you, but you do have control Of what happens and how you respond to those events on the inside of you. Don't allow circumstances, even traumas, attacks of the enemy, situations in life that are grievous or seem counterproductive to you, to take the control from you. If you're gonna walk in third heaven authority, then that authority must be displayed in the way that you approach every one of those situations, the way that you live your life. So yes, it is from a heavenly position, seated with Jesus in heavenly places, where we bind and where we loose, but it also invades and works through all that we are so that we face every situation in life with a situation and a position and understanding of authority. And we use that authority to make our decisions and the way that we assert ourselves. Yes, the way we pray, but also the way that we relate to others, the way that we approach these circumstances that are in life. Because we know who we are. Jesus knew who he was. And he lived it and walked it. Do you know who you are in Jesus? You got to know it, live it, and walk it out. And then the last thing I want to share with you is I pray that you have a joyous resurrection Sunday. You realize how much that God loves you, that he wants to bless you. Join me in future episodes by subscribing to Third Heaven Authority with Mike Thompson here on Charisma Podcast Network or on whatever your favorite podcast platform is. Walk in authority.